0: We're really glad that you are here. Uh, I know Kayla mentioned it earlier, but if it's, if it's your first time here, we're so glad that you're here. Uh, we really do hope that this place called The Living Room becomes your home away from home, that this becomes your family, these become your people, and that through our conversations, you are able to find the more and better life that Jesus wants for you. It's ultimately why we're here. So we began last week a conversation called Seasons, navigating the idea that you've got different seasons that you live through, not just physically with the weather, but also within your soul. And so I feel like, Now is the perfect time to talk through seasons uh, and how to understand them because of the season that we are living in. Because in Georgia, we always get super confused about seasons because right now it's winter outside and it forgot that it's fall. So we're going to bring fall back. Y'all ready? I need to know what your favorite part of the fall season is. Just someone raise your hand and tell me I'm looking for a certain answer. So what's your favorite part of fall? Apple cider. Anyone else like apple cider? had some last night, heated it up, super good. What's your favorite part of fall? The leaves changing. I feel like I am a poetic, basic person because that's all I care about in this season. Like we moved to a new house where they all changed and that's all I cared about. Um, what's up, Kyle, you got an answer? Football. Yeah, we got clapping for that, that's great. We're not gonna mention what team you cheer for, Tennessee. You know what I mean? We're gonna, we're gonna... Going to stay above board here. That's fine. Uh, you got an answer? What, what about fall? Shirts. Final shirts. My guy. Thank you. I appreciate that. Anyone, anyway, uh, what about fall? What's your answer? Crunchy leaves. Crunchy leaves. Not just the colors. The, do you ever jump in them? You need to still jump in them. You can be a child. What's your favorite thing? Thanksgiving. Thanksgiving. Thanks. <laughs> Who's traveling for Thanksgiving? Anyone going out of town? Anyone going out of town? Nice. All right, you got your hand up right there. What's your favorite thing about fall? Yep. Photos in the fall, photography. Guys, you see how the fall is winning? You see how we got so many things? You know what? I'm not going to lie. I was prepared to give out a little gift card because no one answered what I thought you were going to say. Who here loves a good PSL? Pumpkin spice lattes, Do You You said it. I like kind of, but I had a $10 gift card to Starbucks for whoever said that. So that's for you. You didn't even catch it, but it doesn't matter. See, we're going to bring fall back. We need to bring fall back because... This whole 27 degrees and before Thanksgiving is a mistake. It's really what it is. Now, what I'm really, really excited about in this season, though, and why I love fall, I feel like this is the best season. I feel like there's so much going on from football to the drinks, to the food, to the family. I really feel like in this season, I experienced the best seasons of life, the best times of life. And so what we've been talking about this entire semester Fits in with that idea. This whole semester, we've been running through this idea of that you can find the more and better life than you could ever dream of. And it's found by following Jesus. Why is it found by following Jesus? Because it's what he says he showed up to do. We see that in John 10, 10. Here's what we've been going after the whole semester. That I came so that they can have real and eternal life. More and better life than they ever dreamed of. So imagine your greatest dreams of what your life could be. Jesus wants you to experience even more than that. And so we've been talking about how you can find that and the reality of this life that he wants for you and why it is so incredible and why if you are considering following Jesus or curious about following Jesus, this should be one of the most attractive reasons why you should consider or think about doing it because his character and what he wants for you is what we talked about last week, the reality that God loves you so much And we say that sometimes and it's like, okay, I get it. He loves me. But like legitimately, God loves you so much that he offers something to you. We talked last week that God loves you so much that he wants to save you exactly as he finds you. And that is grace. That is something that is not because of what you've done, but in spite of what you've done. And that to me is a reason why I should consider potentially following him. And so... What he is doing, trying to give you that life, is he's trying to invite you into a journey, a journey along this life, a journey of you navigating these different seasons in life because he ultimately, in this journey, wants to give you the more and better life than you could ever dream of. But what we talked about last week is that this life of following Jesus is far less about a destination of one day I'll get there, one day when we get to heaven, then I'll be with him, he offers you that full life, that more and better life right now. It is about the journey, not the destination. He wants you to live it out not one day, but two day. He brought the kingdom of heaven with him to earth, God's kingdom here on earth as it is in heaven. That's what he did. And so our Western way of thinking, we talked about last week, thinks very linearly. We think in a line. There's a start and a finish. There's a beginning and an end. And so our linear way of thinking when we apply it to our faith, says that our faith is all about the destination. But the Eastern way of thinking that our faith is actually founded on is actually not a linear way of thinking, it's a loop, it's more of a circle. And so for the last time this semester, I'm gonna draw circles for (laughs) y'all. Because last week we talked about how this loop for us in life, this loop there. Okay, that's more of an oval. I'm getting worse at this every time. We need to stop with this. But these are the seasons. And the seasons that you live out in your life are the seasons of the soul. And these seasons are represented by the exact same seasons that we have in our life. The exact same seasons that you live out. And what we saw last week is that spring is that first season. This is whenever you move from death to life. This is whenever there's new life happening. Things are blooming, things have new color, things are exciting. This is the beginning in your life of new relationships. And so it's exciting and hopeful, but it's also a little awkward and a little uncomfortable because you're not fully uh, into it yet. And so we have these seasons of our soul with spring is the first one. And then we move into summer and everyone loves summer because in summer, this is where your feelings match your faith. This is when your faith becomes contagious because you're so filled with joy. In summer is when it's easy to worship. It's easy to pray. You could basically write a book because you pray so much and you write it all down. It's so simple. Like you are living your best life. Why? Because your feelings match your faith. And then last week we talked also about how they also, you know, they finish out and you have fall. And then you, at the bottom you have winter. And we talked about how every, every season will have a direction to it. And so the direction of spring is up. And this direction moving up is because everything feels like it's on the up and up. Hope is abounding in spring. And so everything feels like it's moving and trending up. And then you get to summer and the direction of summer is out because you can't help it. Everyone is going to see your joy because it's so contagious. And so summer is where we love to be because once again, our feelings match our faith. And so, This is where we talked about last week, this reality of the seasons of our soul and how at the end of the day, I don't want us to forget one more time, is that we get to experience this because God loves you so much that he wants to save you exactly as he finds you. He wants to save you in that moment where you're not even in a season yet. You are in the abyss of outer space, struggling through life. But then Jesus, exactly as he finds you, wants to save you and bring you into spring. It's where we celebrate baptism. It's where you celebrate salvation. But we ended last week with the reality of that he loves you so much he wants to save you exactly as he finds you, but he loves you too much to leave you as he found you. And this is the cliffhanger that I left you on that several of you came up to me after with so much animosity and violence in your tone that I would dare leave you with a cliff. It wasn't that bad, but it felt that bad. I left you with a cliffhanger. This cliffhanger explaining this idea of our seasons, but how at the end of the day, at this moment, when things turn, because he loves you too much to leave you as he found you, when things turn from spring to summer, you find the single most pivotal moment of your entire faith journey happens right And so tonight, I want us to talk about it. I want us to talk about this pivotal moment. I want us to talk about this opportunity that you are going to find, not to stay in the warmer seasons, but to move into the colder seasons. We're gonna talk about what happens in fall and what happens in winter. And what do these seasons mean for you? And why is it the most pivotal moment of your entire faith journey? And so first, let's talk about fall. So the season of fall is one that we all love because of the crunchy leaves and the photography and the pumpkin spice lattes, I see you. All the things about fall are incredible, but there's a trend to the season of fall. It's in its name. What is the trend of fall? Everything falls. What's the trend? Where's the direction, guys? It's like simple, where are we going? We're going down. Thank you for participating in this game. The trend of fall is down. It's happening. It's happening. Oh, that? You get to see my notes. So this is the inside peak. Should I show it on the screen? Look, look over here. Every single week. Draw a circle. After I draw a circle, draw down. Y'all are like, how does he do this? Because I got notes, guys. So the season of fall. Thank you, Caroline. Caroline's like, look at the screen, Matt. All right, back to TLR. Hi, welcome. My name is Matt. Really glad you're here. So the season of fall. In the season of fall, we get to experience this uniqueness of things starting to trend down. This is when, in the season of fall, your experience of summer was so great and so incredible. But now, all of a sudden, in fall, things start to shift. Things start to change. The temperature starts to drop. The relationships start to sour. The circumstances start to change in a way that you weren't expecting. Things happen in the fall season that you didn't ask for. All of a sudden in your spiritual life, in fall, it's not as easy to worship. You just feel like you're in a funk, like there's something going on that's not exactly as you were wishing or as you were hoping. And you've got to navigate this new season. And here's the reality of fall. We may like it in terms of weather, but in the season of our soul, we don't like fall. Every one of us, we've got something about fall that we don't like. Why don't we like fall, Matt? Because fall doesn't feel good. Fall doesn't feel good because in fall, something happens to you In fall. Something happens where all of a sudden there's this drastic change in the temperature, a drastic change in your circumstances and a drastic change from the joy of summer. That's so contagious. Your senses and your spirit are shocked into this new season and we don't like it. And so what I want us to talk about of why this matters so much is I want to take this loop and I want to turn it on its axis because you're gonna to start to see that it's not just a 2D thing. This actually lives out in your life in 3D. So if you have our loop right here, look, it's getting better, I promise. You'd think that I'd learn how to draw. I can't, but I can write. So we have our circle, we have our loop that's turned on its axis. And so this is the season that you go through. But in life, it's not just saying 2D. Oh, now my pen's gone, guys. Tonight is off the rails, sweet, sweet. Jesus, what are you doing? There we are. Now, in life, you've got your circle. But what happens typically is that as you live this out, as you live out this loop, you start to see that you are growing and you are doing things. It's almost like you're digging. And so imagine that you got a little shovel. I practice this so much, guys. That's a shovel. Okay. It's like you got a little shovel and you're just digging and it's going super easy and super well. And it's fertile soil and it's easy to get into and nothing is difficult. You're not facing any difficulty in your life. That's called summer. That's the summer season when everything is going super well. But something always happens in our life is that the seasons never stay the same all the time. You know this is true. The season of life that you're in is never the same all the time. Eventually in your life, you're gonna hit something. There's gonna be an opposition, something you didn't ask for happens, something difficult occurs. And all of a sudden you start to see that there's rocks and the digging. It's like, it's not just Georgia red clay. Like you are into limestone. It is a rock. It is difficult and you can't get through it. It is painful to continue trying and the pace with which you were living and the ease with which you were living all of a sudden becomes different. And this moment right here, the moment you hit rocks is the exact same is that moment after summer. And so as this difficulty comes into your life, you're faced with an opportunity to do something. You're faced with an opportunity of what am I gonna do in this moment? And the reason why you're faced with this is because people are faced with this all the time. Because we don't like pain, we don't like difficulty, we would rather avert and alleviate those moments to continue finding the easy and better things in our life. And there's this guy named Jeremiah in scripture. He was a prophet back in the Old Testament. And Jeremiah talks about when things go bad in his life, when his season changes, what his natural reaction is and what the, it's how it's probably the exact same reaction that you have. Now, let me tell you about Jeremiah. A lot of people through scripture have nicknames or we know them as certain things. Samson, Samson with the really long hair. Samson was the strongest man who ever lived. And then you got David, the first king of it or the second king of Israel, David. We know David now as the godliest man who ever lived. Or Solomon, The guy who wrote Proverbs we talked about in our first series, Solomon, was known as the wisest man who ever lived. Jeremiah is known as the weeping prophet. He was the most emo guy who ever lived. Like you play dashboard, this guy's on his nine. He is so excited. And so this emo prophet, this weeping prophet, this guy who wrote the book of Lamentations, which means to lament as an entire book. Jeremiah writes Lamentations because the things in his life change and shift. And you start to see this language come out of him that's very consistent with the language we have as well. And so in Lamentations chapter 3, we get a peek inside of the reality of what it looks like to hit those rocks in our life. So Jeremiah in Lamentations chapter 3, here's what he says. He says, I'm the man, if we can get the right one up there and not my notes. Nope. All right, so here's what gonna do. I'm gonna read to you. There it is. Yes. I just, I should have waited. It's fine. So he says, I'm the man who has seen trouble. That's, that's the rocks. I'm the man who's seen trouble. You've seen trouble. You know what that looks like. I'm the man who has seen trouble. Trouble coming from the lash of God's anger. He took me by the hand and he walked me into pitch black darkness. Right here, Jeremiah is doing something that almost every single one of us do by default without even trying A circumstance in his life happened that he didn't ask for that changed his feelings and changed his experience. And what he did is he projected that feeling onto God. God, you've taken me by the hand into pitch black darkness. I'm here in this trouble because of your anger. You have changed your view of me. Therefore, my situation, my circumstances are not as good. Jeremiah's feelings are not matching his faith in this moment. Because he hit rocks. But Jeremiah is a man of God. Jeremiah is one of God's prophets. He's someone who listens to God, hears from God, and then speaks to the people. And so Jeremiah is someone who's experienced spring and summer, but now he's in fall, and the language gets worse and worse. He goes into such specific detail of what he feels like in these lyrics through this, this poetry of what's happening in his world emotionally. He starts to talk about the difficulty he's experienced. And at the end of this little section in Lamentations 3, look at the language he uses. He says, he ground my face into the gravel and he pounded me into the mud. I gave up on life altogether. You want to talk about someone who's got anxiety, someone who's got depression? This guy's probably suicidal. He's at the end of his rope. I gave up on life altogether. I've forgotten what the good life is like. I said to myself, this is it. I'm finished. And God is a lost cause. How many people and how many of us, the moment a situation occurs in our life that doesn't feel good or that we didn't ask for or that isn't good in our mind, We all of a sudden project that onto something of God's character because he must not love me. He must not be for me. He must not see me. He must not be on my side anymore because nothing on my side is going well. God's a lost cause. And he says, I'll never forget the trouble. I'll never forget the trouble or the utter lostness, the taste of ashes, the poison that I swallowed. He's projecting this onto God. God has done these things. I remember it all, oh, how well I remember the feeling of hitting bottom. I would imagine that if I asked you, probably every single person in this place, if I asked you to raise your hand and whether or not you felt like you've hit bottom before, almost all of us would raise our hand. And it's not a comparison of whose story is worse or whose suffering is greater, but we know the emotional feeling of hitting bottom, of not being Okay. And Jeremiah hits bottom. Jeremiah is digging down in his story. He is digging down. And then all of a sudden, it doesn't become easy. All of a sudden, it becomes difficult. For Jeremiah, his relationships change. His situation changes. His feeling of God changed. And his season took a downturn. He is experiencing fall. And if he's anything like us, it's at this exact moment. Whenever we feel so much tension, so much pressure, so much anxiety, so much seems like it's going wrong, all we wanna do by default is get out. All we wanna do is see where we are in this moment. We just wanna escape to come find summer again. Let me get when it feels good again. Let me figure out how to go here because I can't take this anymore. This isn't fun. This doesn't feel good. Let's go get summer one more time. I was going this way on my season down towards fall, but now I'm going to escape to go find another sense of summer. That's all he is trying to do in this moment of saying, I've given up. God's a lost cause. And that's what we all do is we all sit here when the pain and the suffering comes and we by default think I gotta escape. And so what we do is then we run back to the last thing that made us feel good. Or we run back to the exact same situation again. Or we run back to the exact same relationship again. Or let me go and find that moment again. Let me go and get that substance again. Let me go and take that hit again. Let me go back spiritually. It's not feeling good in my faith. Let me go back to that mountaintop experience again because I am struggling so much and I don't know that I can keep doing this. This isn't what I signed up for. Let me go get that feeling and that moment again. But then you realize, don't you? That you can't go back you can never go back to your past and make it your future. It's in the past. And so we go back and search for something to give us that feeling. And what happens for many of us is in the search for that feeling, we end up finding something that helps us not find the previous sense of joy, but to numb the pain. Because all we wanna do is alleviate the pain from our lives because it's too much. And so we escape the potential of pain and suffering because it's too much. And I get it because that's the exact same thing that I did again and again and again. My entire life was this. And the way that I felt this, the way that it showed up, the way that it manifested in my life primarily was through dating. I can tell you every single person I dated from the time I was five, her name was Amber. She was a redhead and she was a stunner, okay? But I remember all that. I mean, uh, Samantha, and then there was Carmen, and then there was Natalie. Like, I legit can tell you all of the girls that I thought were my girlfriend from the time I was five all the way till now. I just can remember it because in my mind, there was always this thing of like, well, I gotta have a girlfriend. Like, of course, why would I want a girlfriend? And then I remember getting into middle school and y'all remember middle school relationships? Like, y'all been together two months? <gasps> Are you getting married? You know, th- that moment. I remember getting to middle school and dating this girl that was like the most attractive girl in our grade. And everyone was like, You're dating her? And I was like, Why don't you shut up? Yeah, I'm dating her. And then she broke up with me, and then I was in embarrassment. And I remember standing in front of the mirror because I couldn't go into class crying my eyes out in sadness because this girl broke up with me. And then I got into high school, and she was nothing anymore, but now there's someone new that I'm dating. And I start dating this girl and then she breaks up with me. And I remember crying my eyes out in front of a mirror because I was so sad that she left. And then I started dating a girl my sophomore year in high school and we're on and off for two years. And the amount of times that I did something embarrassing emotionally because she left to go date somebody else, I can't even tell you. And then finally, when I was 17, God brought me out of the darkness and gave me life. He brought me out of the darkness and gave me spring. And I surrendered my life to Jesus and I found the more and better life that, he, that I could ever dream of, that he wanted for me. And so I began to experience spring. I began to experience summer and it's wonderful and it's incredible. And I had this thing when I got into college where I was like, I really just wanna work on me, which is one of the wisest things you can do. And so I didn't date anybody till my junior year of college. And I was like, I'm more mature now. I'm almost an adult now. I'm 21. I'm ready. Hmm. And then Sherry Brooke came along. And I dated this girl named Sherry Brooke for four months. And what do you think went through my stupid brain whenever we were dating? We're definitely gonna end up together. Yep, Mm mm-hmm, yeah. It's been four months, like two months in eighth grade, four months. Come on, she's the one. She's her with a capital H. Don't laugh at me. This is what I did, okay? I'm telling you that I understand. And then four months later, she broke up with me. Now that story is for another day because she started dating my best friend. So we'll get to that one another time. See that reaction? It happens every time. It's so good. But when that happened, what did I do? I did the exact same thing i done every other time. I became an embarrassment emotionally. And my friends are like, God, Matt is just crying all the time again. Can he not figure this? Like, I get she's cute, but bro, we're at Georgia, like find someone, you know? And I wouldn't, I keep going through this exact same motion, this exact same thing. So in the anger out of that situation, I end up going to Costa Rica, end up studying abroad, end up trying to escape my pain, escape the situation. I study abroad. And while I'm there, I meet this girl named Larson. And a little spoiler alert, this is who my wife is. Her name is Larson. So I'm giving you the ending before the story. But in the middle of our story is the most pivotal moment of my entire faith journey. So Lars and I start dating. We're in Costa Rica. We get back from Costa Rica. I graduate from Georgia. We date through that summer. She's got one more year. She's going into her senior year. And then I move back home to begin an internship at a church over in Gwinnett County. And so I'm starting my life in ministry, and she's got her senior year. And really at the beginning of that year, I mean, like we've talked about ending up together. Like there were moments when I was sure of like this is different. Like, my older sister was like, This girl's different. And I was like, I know. And then, out of nowhere, seemingly, she broke up with me. And what did I do? I did the exact same thing I'd always done. I immediately became an embarrassment emotionally. I literally went back to my friends and apologized for the way that I reacted because for about two months I was so depressed and so at my end, I didn't wanna get out of bed in the morning and I gotta go to church and tell people about Jesus, but I can't feel Jesus. Jesus isn't there. This is an absence of my spiritual life. He's nowhere even close to my world. I feel so alone and isolated and undone in this moment. And so what did I do? I started dating somebody else. But in this moment, in this season, for the first time in my life, something changed. Because there was this person who looked at my story and he spoke to me where I was. He looked at the reality of my season. He said, listen, you're here again. You've been here before and you're here again. And so then I started to think, well, how did I even get myself here again? Because if I look back across the entire series of my life, the same thing keeps happening again and again and again. So God, why does this keep happening? What did I do wrong? Maybe you've asked that question before. What did I do wrong? Or maybe what did I do to deserve this? I'm the good, sweet Christian guy who's not gonna mess around, who's gonna respect you and be super kind to you. Why does this keep happening? But it was in this season, when me and Larson broke up, that I finally stopped doing something and I chose a different route. Because instead of trying to simply just escape my pain, I chose the opposite opportunity. I decided instead of to get away from it, I decided to press in. Because at this moment, if this is happening over here, I chose, instead of escaping it, I chose to simply embrace it. And whenever pain and suffering happens in your life because you have entered into the rocks, And difficulty has come and the relationships start to sour and things aren't as easy and it doesn't feel as good. And since it doesn't feel as good, then God must not be good. And all those doubts and questions come into your mind. What I stopped doing was running around flailing emotionally, becoming an embarrassment to myself with no maturity. And I started to learn. I started to listen. I started to listen not to my feelings, but to wisdom. And I started to press in. I started to press into those rocks and to press through those rocks and to realize that maybe I can learn something in this season. See, what if the problem with the situation I was in and the situation we find ourselves in when things don't go well, what if the problem with the season isn't that something has gone wrong externally, but that something is wrong internally? What if something's wrong with me? What if they're not the problem? What if I need fixing? What if I've got something in me that's killing me? Now that's drastic language, but whenever you go through anxiety and depression and pain, your brain is trying to survive. It's the same instinctive survival mode that you go into as if a bear was chasing you. You go into survival mode. And so what if that feeling of like, I can't do this anymore. This is taking me out like Jeremiah. What if that's actually because there's something inside of you that's killing you? And what if, in God's kindness, he wants to save you from that thing. What if in God's kindness, he introduces the opportunity of a colder season so that he can save you from what is killing you? Because that opportunity right here is the most pivotal moment of your faith journey, period. And so you've got an opportunity whenever this occurs to choose to keep trying to escape or to finally embrace what God may be trying to teach you and tell you all along? Will you finally see what maybe he's trying to show you? Will you finally see that the suffering of your season might not be a punishment, but it might be a potential? A potential for you to learn and to grow because of his kindness. Why would I say it's because of his kindness? Because he loves you so much, he wants to save you exactly as he finds you. But he loves you too much to leave you as he found you. See, this is what God does. This is his character. He's like a gardener. He's like a gardener. We see so much language throughout scripture of of describing God and describing Jesus through gardening language. It's like he's a gardener. And in gardening, there's this practice called pruning. And pruning is something that we don't like when it happens personally. But when you understand what's going on in gardening, it gives you a context and a concept to see what may be happening in this moment. Because in pruning, this is where a gardener cuts off what is dead on the plant. So that new life can grow. So instead of life being given to something that is dying... You cut off what is dying so that new life can grow and new life can happen. This is what God is offering you through the seasons. He wants to take out what is inside of you that's killing you before it kills you. And so he introduces us to these colder seasons of life. He puts rocks in your life and in your way. And through the pain and the suffering, he offers you the opportunity to find the more and better life than you could ever dream of, a life that mirrors the life of Jesus. And if we can be real honest, so many people and so many of us, this is where we get Christianity wrong. This is where we get faith wrong. This is where we get Jesus wrong. Because we assume that the more and better life that Jesus wants for us and offers us means more and better circumstances but it doesn't mean more and better circumstances. We see in the person of Jesus himself that he asked God to change his circumstances in the garden of Gethsemane in Matthew 26. He said, if at all possible, take this cup of suffering from me. I can't do it anymore, God. But God's response to him in that moment was silence. And it probably felt like it was absence. But Jesus was stepping into the middle of suffering. And in John 16, he tells you that if you got anything you can look forward to in this life, if you follow Jesus, what he promises you isn't a promised circumstance. It isn't a better life of your circumstances. It's the opposite. He promises you suffering. So why? Why does he promise you suffering? Because that sounds like something that I want to escape. If that's what the life of Jesus offers me, then I don't know that I want that. Why does it have to be suffering? Why does it have to be pain? Why does it have to be difficulty? Because he loves you too much to leave you as he found you. See, that means that he has to prune you of anything that's not giving you life because he loves you, because he's kind to you. God has to perform surgery on you. He has to kill within you what's killing you before it kills you. And there's this reality in life that all of us know is true if you think about it. And the reality is that all pain is synonymous with growth. I know that because in seventh grade, I grew seven inches. It was the most painful year of my life. Started a basketball game, couldn't last 20 seconds down the court before I fell down, I was in so much pain. Because pain is synonymous with growth. That's how you grow your muscles. It takes pain. You're shredding your muscles apart so they can grow back together larger. That's why we don't like to work out. Can I get an amen? I'm just kidding, Ryan, I get it. You like, that's fine. It's all those moments where pain is synonymous with growth. It's synonymous with you physically. It's also synonymous with growth when it comes to your emotions, when it comes to your situations. But the key to you actually finding the growth that's available is you have to embrace it and not escape it because this is an offer that's made to you. God is so kind to you, he's not gonna force you into this. He's not gonna make you love him. He's not gonna make you grow up. It's an offer made to you. And see, what he is doing in this moment of this offer is he's offering for you to become more like Jesus. Because what Jesus experienced is what you are offered to come and experience yourself. Because what God wants to do, what he's in the business of doing is he offers you the pain of the cross to save you from the pain of your curse. He offers you the pain of the cross. He wants to crucify what is cursed within you to save you from that pain of that curse. He'd rather give you the pain and the surgery of the cross, of killing it within you before it kills you because he's kind, because he's a father who loves you. See, this is what it means to follow Jesus. This is why Jesus said that to follow him means you have to take up your cross daily and die to yourself because you have to let him have his way. You have to let him grow you up. You have to let him get in there and you have to trust him enough to say, okay, okay, I'm gonna stop escaping, I'll embrace it. Okay, I surrender and I trust you. Not because it feels good, but because of something about his character that becomes a foundation for you in your deepest moment of pain. See, in summer, your feelings match your faith. So, when your feelings are great, it's easy for your faith to be great. But the moment the fall comes and things start to trend down, how quickly does our faith match our feelings in a downturn as well? But whenever you anchor yourself to something that's true about God, what you start to find is that it becomes a foundation that even when your feelings start to go down, your faith doesn't. It's called maturity, it's how you grow up. And you start to see that in God's kindness, He's offering you the pain of the cross to save you from the pain of your curse. Why? Because he is fundamentally kind. It's his kindness towards you. It's not because he's angry at you. It's not because you messed up. It's not because you're being punished. It's not because you're the victim. It's because God loves you too much to leave you as he found you. So when I stop fighting against him and I begin to then embrace what he's doing, And I allow him to take me into not just the colder season of fall, but I allow him to take me into this bottomed out season of winter. This is when I truly start to grow because this is when things truly start to die. Because the direction of winter is flat. It's a flat line just like when they're reading your heartbeat. It's a flat line because things go to winter to die. The leaves are off the trees. The life is not the same. It's hopeful and waiting for spring to come. But in winter, things go to die. And so whenever you embrace this season, what you're saying is you're allowing him to perform surgery on you so you can figure out what's cursed inside of you and then choose the pain of the cross over the pain of that curse. And then in that moment, in that tough, awful, horrible moment that no one ever wants to experience, in that moment, you begin to step into maturity, you begin to grow and you begin to understand something about God's character, as tough as it may be, that becomes a foundation for you. And so all of a sudden now, winter doesn't become the worst possible thing in your life because what you're doing is you're starting to realize something about God's character that gets you out of it. That's what happened to Jeremiah. If we go back, we keep looking at what he said, Remember, he said, I'll never forget the trouble, the utter lostness, the taste of ashes, the poison I swallowed. I remember it well. Oh, how well I remember the feeling of hitting bottom. But with one word, he changes everything of our perspective of the season we live in. He says, yet. I'm at the bottom, nothing's going well, everything is bad. She broke up with me again, the job ended again, my family did this again, I'm never going to get it right, even though all those things are happening. And I remember hitting bottom, yet, in spite of all that, yet, there's one thing I remember. And remembering, I keep a grip on hope you got a guy who for 20 verses is at the end of his rope with no hope left because God has taken him into pitch black darkness. Yet, even though I'm experiencing that, I remember something and I keep a grip on hope because of what I remember. What is he remembering? He's remembering that God's loyal love could not have run out. His merciful love could not have dried up. They're created new every morning. How great is your faithfulness. I'm sticking with God. I thought I was done. I thought he was a lost cause, but not now, not anymore. Because I remembered something about God's character and how much he loves me. So I'm sticking with God and I'm gonna remind myself of that. I'm saying it over and over and over and over until it becomes an anchoring statement in my life. Because he is all I've got left. And he says, what we know to be true is that God proves to be good to the man who waits, to the woman who diligently seeks. It's a good thing to quietly hope, quietly hope for help from God. And this is for you. It's a good thing when you're young to stick it out through the hard times. It's a good thing in this moment when you experience suffering to not allow it to take you out for the rest of your life, but right now figure out stuff so that when you're 40, you don't have to. It's good in your youth to figure this out and to stick it out through hard times. It says, when life is heavy and it's hard to take, go off by yourself, enter the silence, embrace the colder season, bow in prayer, don't ask questions, wait for hope to appear. Don't run from trouble. Don't escape the colder seasons. Take it full face because the worst is never the worst. When you feel like you've got no hope left and the reality in your mind, the lie in your mind is that suicide is an option. I've told y'all before, nothing pisses me off and I use that intentionally. Then the fact that we think that is even an option for us Because when you understand that a permanent solution to a temporary problem is a lie from the enemy, you start to anchor yourself to the truth that the worst is never the worst. Why, why is the worst never the worst? Jeremiah continues, why? Because the Lord won't ever walk out and fail to return. His character is true and he is good. Because the Lord won't ever walk out and fail to return. If he works severely, he also works tenderly. His stockpiles of loyal love are immense. And he takes, and this is the thing that got me through my difficult, dark season. He takes no pleasure in making life hard and throwing roadblocks in the way. He doesn't bring rocks into your life and say, you deserved it. He brings rocks into your life and then he's there the entire time whenever you trip just like a father with a little kid helping you back up. And then you trip and you fall and it hurts even more and he's right there picking you back up. Whenever one of my little kids is learning how to walk, I never get mad at them when they fall down. Like, do better. Can you just figure it out already? Your little bent legs need to walk a little bit better. Can you develop some more muscle finally, please? I never have that approach. When my little child falls and stumbles and something goes wrong, I'm there to pick them up. And then they lift their arms to me to hold them and I grab them and I hold them. And that's the approach that God has towards you. He's not mad at you. He just loves you too much to leave you as he found you. And so now with this as a context of what God is doing in my life, of these seasons of my soul, now I can see suffering not as punishment, but as potential. Even if I caused it, even if it's of my own doing, there are stories of people who are spending life in prison because of mistakes they made. And yet if they view it as a possible, as an all the time punishment, and they never see their potential, their life is done. But there is still potential. There is still redemption. There is still opportunity to learn through those moments. And so now I see everything that happens to me. I see these colder seasons through the lens of his kindness and I hold on to hope because I remember. I remember that the sun always rises. I remember that the clouds always part. I remember that with Jesus, the worst is never the worst because it never stays winter forever. Spring always comes. Resurrection always comes. Because when Jesus died on the cross and overcame death, living full life and offering it to you, what it means for you is that whenever you enter into winter, you're not at the worst and it's not gonna be that forever because with Jesus, every time there's a crucifixion, there's always a resurrection. Every time there's a crucifixion, there's always a resurrection. So if you embrace the opportunity to take the pain of the cross, the crucifixion, you do it with the hope and the promise of knowing there's always a resurrection. Spring will come. He'll always bring you back into spring. But what you're gonna see is that whenever you dig through these rocks and you embrace the colder seasons, whenever you come out the other side of those rocks, what's true is that you're not here anymore. You've come through it and now you're deeper. You wanna know how to grow in your faith? You want to know how to educate your faith? You want to know how to get to a deeper place in your faith of spiritual maturity? You go through the seasons of the soul. This is called sanctification. And this is what God is fully in the business of doing. So what do you do in these seasons? Here's three questions you can ask yourself. The first question you need to ask yourself is, why am I in this season? God, why am I here? There is no wrong season to be in. Every one of them has value and he wants to take you through all of them. So God, why am I here? And then you evaluate where you are and then you ask yourself, why? Why am I here? And then the next question you ask is, and what are you trying to prune? What is it if I'm in this colder season, if I find myself in fall, I find myself in winter, what is it you're trying to prune? What within me is cursed? What within me is killing me? What death do I need to have so that I can find new life coming into my life, a more and better life than I could ever dream of. For me, you know what my curse was? Everything in my life unlocked when I realized something that was true about my story, a curse that I lived with. My curse was that I wanted a wife more than I wanted God. And if you ever want anything over God, it's called idolatry. So if you feel like you have to have a spouse more than you have to have God, that's idolatry and it's a sin, it's a curse. You can never be freed up to actually be for someone if you're constantly trying to find something from them. And the girl I was dating or the person I was seeking, the one I was going after and pursuing, that's who I was trying to find my sustenance in, my identity in, my affirmation in, my everything in was in this person. So then the moment they left, I was undone. That's a curse. It was killing me. And God in his kindness said, you don't need that anymore. You don't need a wife, you need me. And the moment I realized I needed him and him alone, and if I lost everything else, but I only had him, that I would be okay. Then I was freed up to actually go and find those things. Then I freed myself up for him to introduce that blessing into my life because my hands were open to what he was going to do. I don't know what yours is. I don't know what curse you may have holding on to. I don't know whenever you get there what it is, but the key is that you, if you don't ask the question of why and what, you're never actually embracing the colder seasons. If you never go into this moment and you never actually ask why or what, you're not really in fall or winter. Can we call it what it is? You're just emotionally immature. Because all you've done is you've tried to escape that moment, come back up here into a false sense of summer and you're just trying to get things to feel good again. This is called emotional immaturity. You're sad because something hasn't gone as you wanted, but you're not growing, you're stalling. This is how you get people that are 40 years old physically, but 14 years old emotionally and spiritually. It's because whenever something difficult comes into their life, they never pause and ask the question, why am I here? And what is it that needs to be pruned? You have to embrace what God wants to do in these colder seasons. By asking him, what is it that needs to be pruned? And then the last question you ask is, how should I respond? How should I respond to those two truths? What is God uniquely trying to ask you to do? Or uniquely trying to ask you to give up? Or maybe he's asking you to change something in order so that you can embrace that season. See, this is the journey of life. This is your faith journey that he is trying to take you on. And it's your season. And in this season of life, when you are young, this is the time to figure it out. Now there's no rule for how long each season lasts. There's no math for how many rocks exist whenever you start to hit it. We don't know. It's not a three month window and then the weather changes. We don't know how long it lasts. But you can't microwave that season. You have to marinate in it. You have to allow God to do his work by asking him, These three questions. And so then you step into the more and better life that God would want to you, that God would want for you the moment you start to embrace what he is trying to do in you. Because he loves you so much. He wants to save you exactly as he finds you. But he loves you too much to leave you as he found you. He is fully in the business of educating your faith and growing you up to find the more and better life than you could ever dream of. You just got to choose it. So what we want to do is we want to give you a chance to think about those questions, to think about those things, to think about the season that you're in, and to have a moment to process it, because there are some of you who are in a colder season, and you are suffering. You are hurting. It is painful. It is not easy, and I want you to hear from me. While everything within me wants to say, I'm sorry, the reality is, If you're in that difficult season and you're asking why and what and how, I'm not sorry, I'm grateful. Because I love you too much to let you stay stalled out in your insecurities, stalled out in your curse, living out a life that's never going to be what you envision and what God would want for you. So what season are you in? And how can you embrace it? I'm gonna pray for y'all and then the band is gonna sing a song over you. We wanna give you a moment to feel it out. We wanna give you a moment to process it. We wanna give you a moment to, to ask God those three questions, to begin a conversation so that you can grow in your faith through the seasons of your soul and this faith journey that he wants to take you on. So let's pray. Father, thank you. Thank you for the reality that you love us too much. You just do. You're such a good father. You're always going to be there. You're never going to leave us. And so I pray that your character would become a foundation for our faith. And we would understand that whenever we're going through difficult things, it's because of your kindness if we would simply embrace it, if we would see it through that lens. And so for the person in here who has never even begun a relationship with you and they're hearing all this for the first time and their emotions are peaked, and it feels overwhelming, Father, I ask that you would bring them into spring. You'd bring them into new life. You'd let them see how much you love them. And then for every other person who's already going through it, but they are just suffering, they are in pain. God, I pray you'd give them hope. You'd let them see that they're not in pitch black darkness. Why? Because of your loyal love, because of who you are and because you have never left them. So Jesus, we say thank you. Thank you for loving us that much. Thank you for being that kind. And thank you for never giving up on us. I pray we would never give up on you. So as we sit and as we enter in and as we find more of you, Father, I just ask in the name of Jesus that you'd meet us where we are, that you do whatever it is that you wanna do and only what you can do because we surrender and we trust you. We thank you for loving us first. We love you right back. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.